This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The Playlist Podcast and all other Playlist Podcast programs are sponsored by MUBI, a curated online cinema streaming a selection of exceptional independent, classic, and award-winning films from around the globe. MUBI's film experts handpick every film they show. Each day, they present a new gem, and you have one month to watch it. Plans start as low as $5.99 a month. Visit MUBI.com slash The Playlist to start a special 30-day free trial. Mubi's current highlights include the borderless action of Yasuharu Husabi, a double feature of two late 60s Yakuza films from the filmmaker Masker Gun and Retaliation. They also have You Only Live Once, Fritz Lang's second Hollywood feature. And finally, the online premiere of The Great Wall, not to be confused with the monster movie with Matt Damon from earlier this year, but a documentary from Tahig O'Sullivan. I I apologize if I'm butchering that name. Uh, It examines the migration crisis in Europe and takes a look at how all walls are erected to protect the powerful and exclude the powerless. Once again, visit MUBI.com slash the playlist to start a special 30-day free trial. Now, on to the show. You're listening to The Playlist Podcast, a discussion about film news and other related film and television items. I'm Ryan Oliver, and today I'm joined by Playlist Editor-in-Chief Rodrigo Perez and Adjust Your Tracking co-host Eric McClanahan to discuss the film that is on everyone's mind this week, Blade Runner 2049. We start with some brief reflection on the original 1982 Ridley Scott classic, some spoiler-free initial thoughts on Denis Villeneuve's Decades Later sequel, and then a spoiler discussion on the new film, which we will warn you both in the show notes and when it's about to occur on this program. So fear not about that. If you do want to hear some more uh, full spoiler-free thoughts, be sure to check out Rod's B-plus review on theplaylist.net. Without further ado, I'll now drop you into our discussion about the world of Blade Runner. Well, I guess probably a good place to start... Um... Did you either of you get a chance to rewatch uh, the original uh, again? Uh, get caught up. Uh, I know Rod, you're not a big like rewatcher, but I was just curious if you guys got to got a chance to see that again. I did not. I have not either. Yeah, I I <laughs> I've wanted to. I've had the aspiration to do it for like the last week. Um, but uh, I'll be seeing the new one again, so I will. My plan is to revisit the uh, the original before I see it a second time. So. Nice. Also, what what original? Because there's four of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I've never seen the uh, final cut. Actually, the the I guess the proper version or Ridley Scott's kind of final version that he put out. I've never seen that uh, that one. So I might as well you know do go there. I guess. But uh, like you said, sure. I've seen that one either. I mean, I have a I have a box set at home with like four versions on it. Um, <laughs> And I've certainly seen one of the newer ones, but I don't know if I've seen the. I think the, the final final cut is from two thousand seven. It is mm-hmm. yes. Uh, I did watch. Mostly- I did watch that on Friday night. Actually, um, that's my second time watching it. Um, and it, that one doesn't have much difference in the director's cut. I think there's like one or right. two different it's- shots, and everything else is like special effects cleanup for the most part. Yeah, it's pretty pretty minimal, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm right. Understand. Yeah, there's not there's if you 
play the director's cut and the final cut side by side, I probably couldn't be able to tell you exactly what the difference of it is, other than it just looks more polished and the Blu-ray I have, like it looks really pristine. So that's about as much difference as I can right. mine uh, from that. Um, I, well, I want to go in the original version. The the physical <laughs> version with the voiceover? Yes, yes. Because Rod, that's I the think... version. Up go ahead. No, go ahead, man. Yeah, I remember you saying that on another podcast, Rod, that you actually kind of prefer that one, right? I don't know if I prefer it, but I grew up with that version. So I know a lot of people like hate that version and Ridley Scott obviously did too but there's a whole generation of people who grew up with it and uh you know it's like a detective noir story as it is so mm -hmm. it's to have the kind of uh you know um double indemnity kind of uh uh narration throughout it is uh pretty true to form it's not uh you know I think people who see it after the fact are like oh my god that's terrible but um uh, it's, it's, it's very much a part of the genre and part of the genre trope. And, uh, anybody who grew up with it, I like it. Um, I haven't mm -hmm. seen it in a long time. I actually watched a few clips. I, I did watch a few clips on YouTube recently, like right before Blade Runner. And, um, but I also love the, the other version because you take out, you subtract all that, um, uh, voiceover and you've got this really kind of more skeletal skeletal minimalist kind of thing that's much much more moodier because you don't know what he's thinking mm -hmm. totally i i think the idea of the voiceover just in and of itself uh being fitting to that hardboiled noir noir is not a bad idea i just i personally think it's really bad dialogue that they happen to record <laughs> for, for it um but like the voiceover just in and of itself doesn't bother me i just think the line readings are, are pretty rough and, and harrison ford hated it too he didn't even want to come in and record the lines the, do you, so you think it's the line readings or it's the the dialogue that's been written i think it's a combination of both i, th I think it's some pretty rough dialogue made even worse by the fact that harrison ford's kind of reading it like half haphazardly like he's just kind of like just saying it like this, not really like putting much into it. Like it, it's a lot like his interviews nowadays. Like he's just, just kind of like curmudgeon and grumpy about it. Um, so I think that's the issue with that. Um, but, but like I said, I think the idea of the dialogue um, in and of itself, but, um, but both versions are interesting. I was curious before we get into a little bit uh, before we discuss the new one, um, given the themes that he's uh, been exploring his last couple films, does it surprise you that Ridley Scott didn't direct this movie, that he didn't want to direct this movie? Uh, it seems a little odd to me because the, those similar uh, themes about like what it means to be human have been kind of shoehorned into yep. the Alien franchise. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote probably like three or four different versions of my review, and one of them <laughs> Basically, like it started out with this whole thing that like, how did really Scott not direct this? It's like <laughs> completely out of I mean, it's like the same ideas, the same concerns about, you know, what is it like masters and slaves and, and creation, crea creationism is such a big thing, a part of it. And that's all a huge part of Prometheus, too. Right. It's just like one of mm -hmm. his, his big late life concerns these days is like. Why are we here? Who created us? What what does it mean to be human? It, it is like such a big thing of his. And, and obviously um, that that's permeated throughout Blade Runner 2049. Totally. I think the big difference, though, looking at, at the new Blade Runner is I, I feel like Villeneuve is actually kind of much more of a humanist filmmaker than Ridley Scott right now. Like those alien movies, the new ones are like, I think 
I almost admire them for it, like how mean they are. They're they're like deeply mean and like not faithful in like humanity at all. And I think maybe it's part of like a sick joke. They're really, Scott. The point, I think. No, absolutely. I'm totally. I totally agree with you. And that's kind of seems to be where people either like are for or against those movies is that divide there. Um, no, I I think it's totally uh, to a purpose. But uh, I think I just. Uh, was really taken aback, like how uh, warm and and I, well, not the entire new Blade Runner is not like I can't I can't describe it as that. That's actually a bad. I don't think anyone without the new Blade Runner is here's warm. where I'm going. Here's where I'm going with that. <laughs> the last ten minutes, without spoiling anything, really, really uh, shifted in that direction. I guess. I guess what I was left with in the end. Um, there's a really beautiful final image in this movie that I actually found quite warm and hopeful. But you're right. I'm I'm totally. Totally miss, uh, uh, <laughs> totally miss selling this this new one. If I'm saying it's warm, um, but I, I liked that. I guess that transition it makes uh, went a long way. It has like a more similar but successful ending to uh, Prisoners, does it not? Villeneuve's the first yes. English language film. That like idea of hopefulness among this like cold, distant world. It just it's a much better movie than that movie. Um, I haven't thought of Prisoners. This is a small thing, but Prisoners has that kind of, I think we wrote about it on the site when that, the year that that movie came out is like that slow pull shot into a tree. Uh, Blade Runner almost like mimics it one, uh, one to one. And um, I guess, you know, not surprising since we have Roger Deakins back uh, with Villeneuve in this one, which I mean, everybody's saying it, but like, Fucking Roger Deakins, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. My God, MVP of this movie. It's uh, it's crazy. Uh, I, yeah, uh, for sure. Well, if we're bleeding into the new one a little bit, uh, why don't we just kind of jump in? Um, I figure we'll give some uh, spoiler-free thoughts, uh, and then we'll kind of dive into a spoiler discussion, and we'll put a tag for listeners so you don't have to worry about like we're not going to ruin the movie. You could turn away at some point, but just spoiler-free initial thoughts. I know Rod, your reviews out there on on the playlist so i, I want to start with you eric what what did you uh feel about this this new one do you do you feel you know given the original has such this like almost mythical sort of stature in film mm-hmm. history that almost like surpasses the the movie itself um do, do you feel that villeneuve like that he that he pulled it off that he was able to live up to uh make a movie that lives up to what's hailed as a undisputed classic I, I and uh, like I realize how difficult this was to do, but I would say yeah, this is uh, about as good of a Blade Runner sequel I think we could ask for. I don't know, maybe my expectations were low. I don't know, but uh, I wanted it to be great, and I think it fulfills it uh, for the most part. Like as a movie, as a compliment to the first one, and the narrative they designed to bring it back 30 years later. Um, I actually kind of think this one complements the first one and deepens, uh, certain relationships in a way that actually make the first one better in retrospect for me. Um, I'll have to rewatch it again as we were talking at the top, but, uh, I actually, some of the issues I have with the original, I think is a great movie, but I think is also like not, I don't think it's a masterpiece necessarily. I, there's a lot to love about it, but part of, what doesn't work is uh, the Sean Young, Harrison Ford um, relationship in, the, in that movie. I just, I don't know. I have trouble going with it, I guess, or I, I don't buy it as much. Uh, I, th- I think this new one uh, deepens uh, that and makes it better in retrospect. So I think that's one accomplishment. We already talked about the visuals. I think there's a lot more to talk about. But yeah, overall, I uh, I really like this new one. And I'm excited to see it again, for sure. 
And what about you, Rod? Um, I certainly wanted to see it again. And you know me, like I've said that many times, and I'm not much of a second watcher. Um, but there's lots to unpack in there. I mean, I think if I could stress anything that's not in my review so much, one of the points being that, like, I, like I guess I mentioned earlier that, like, you know, it feels like uh, a really Scott movie with his concerns. And actually, to this point, I was watching very briefly before we started this call, this Google chat with um, uh, this Google talk with um, Harrison Ford. And, you know, it's interesting because you see the screenplay and Ridley Scott's not credited anywhere except as an executive producer. But Harrison Ford said in this talk that uh, Ridley Scott and Hampton Fancher, the original Blade Runner screenwriter, wrote a novella for Blade Runner 2049 that sort of was the, um, you know, the 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 genesis of, of the world, at least. And they handed it off to you know, Hampton, who wrote the screenplay with Michael Green and, and Denis Villeneuve. But I'd never heard that before, that they had uh, that they'd written a novella. So that's interesting. I'd love to get my hands on that. Um, but that's uh, – so, yeah. And then, I mean, I, I really like the film, obviously, but I still do have my reservations. I don't know if I got that quite across because there's a lot to be wowed uh, about from this film, just the sort of experience, like the, the – um, I think Todd McCarthy from Hollywood Reporter called it a mood bath, which I think <laughs> is pretty, which is pretty accurate. Um, but Ryan Gosling is uh, not perfect. I think some part of that is is to do with who his character is, and I don't want to spoil that yet. Um, mm -hmm. um, but he doesn't. He's not quite as convincing to me than what's is a bit of a detriment. I think Harrison Ford is stronger, but. Uh, again, there's a lot of spoilers. I'm 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 having a hard time. I think Harris <laughs> better. Um, I think the overall arching ideas and themes are terrific. And I think, like Eric said, they're very complementary to the first one. I think they expand the idea of like what it really means to be human, mm -hmm. and um, the ideas of 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 humanity and its potential evolution and you know, creationism again, you know, I don't think it's many big, a uh, bit of a, uh, a spoiler or surprise that like, you know, Jared Leto's character is kind of a, a sort of new Tyrell guy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he's a, he's a, he's another would be God. He's a master and in the, in the, in the, in there's, you know, replicants. It just really, it really brings home the idea of like who these replicants are because we see them in the beginning and they're just sort of like in the first movie and they're, um, you know, they're these guys, they, they, they went rogue and they're being shut down. But then you really think about the world that they're expanding. And it's like, you're realizing these people, these, these replicants were essentially made as slave labor. You know, mm -hmm. they are, uh, uh, second class citizens. They are. And then that brings up a whole, um, you know, the, the whole, just the ideas of what that is being second class, being, being, uh, um, you know, being uh, worthless or, or being devalued, being dehumanized. Um, a lot of the ideas that they play with in that are, are really interesting. No, totally. Um, I'm glad we waited uh, a day to record. Rod, I know you got to see it like last week or, or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Eric and I just saw it yesterday morning. Um, and we had originally talked about recording uh, potentially after the fact. And, and I'm glad we didn't because... Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm definitely a little bit warm on it today than I was uh, immediately coming out of the movie. Um, 
uh, similar actually that I felt to Enemy, which Eric can attest to coming out of that screen. Yeah. We were both like pretty kind of cold on that movie and then like <laughs> sat on it for a few days. And, and when I went to write my review, I went, oh, my God, this movie's actually really great. Enemy is I, genius. It is. But yeah. It, 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 it took me a bit. His movies have a delay, a delayed effect sometimes. I think I think it's mm-hmm. to his uh, it's like. I don't know if he's a, he's not necessarily a subtle filmmaker, but it's, it's, I have that with some of his films. I'm with you. Yeah, totally. So it takes, it takes a day or two. I'm overall like, um, I'd say I'm with you, Rod. Like I'm, I overall am, am positive on the movie. I liked it quite a bit. I have some reservations. Um, I have some sort mm-hmm. of like nondescript, uh, baseline reservations, uh, that we could talk mm-hmm. about before getting into spoilers. Um, I think as much as, you know, you know, we already said it, Deacon's MVP, the images he gathers in this movie, they're, they're incredible, but it almost feels like too production designed. Like it feels too mm. calculated. Like the original feels grungy and lived in and sort of like, I don't know, just it has this atmosphere to it that feels lived in as opposed to just like art decorated. So right, I, well, one is very heavily analog and one is heavily digital, right? Right. Very much mm-hmm. so. Um, so that like part of it is that, but also just even the, the look, I mean, there are so many, you know, for a movie that cost $185 million, you know, there's not a lot of like actual people in it. Um, like there are mm-hmm. scenes that only have like three or four, uh, people. There's not a whole lot of, um, you know, the original, there was a lot of scenes that took place in the streets and they were just kind of crowded areas and this one there's really not a whole a uh, lot of that um i think this one is more plot driven than the original is um and i feel like sometimes that's at odds with the sort of mood and atmosphere that it's going for um like it like the the runtime of this movie really allows that atmosphere to sink in but it also kind of like it slows the plot down to where you kind of yep. already know yep. where it's going you're like i know where you're yeah. going just get there. <laughs> I, I definitely wrote that in my review, how like the, the, the length of the movie works for it and against it because it, mm-hmm. it lets, like simmer and soak up the mood and soak up the vibe and sort of like um, the images sort of speak to um, a kind of sort of um, existential sort of uh, anxiety that runs throughout the movie, you know, mm-hmm. the, the cultural sort of ex- existential anxiety of the world we live in and the, and, and, and what Ryan Gosling's character feels. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it works against the plot. So it's like, it's, it's like in some ways running in two different directions. Right. It's got this sort of like push and pull thing. Um, yeah. but, but at the same time, like, you know, I put this in a vein this year as a movie like Mother or A Cure for Wellness in that I, yeah. I can't believe a major studio is putting this yes. in wide release. <laughs> like that's that's impressive in and of itself. Like I applaud Warner Brothers and, and Alcon for making this 185 million, 163 minute movie with no big action set pieces and like very mm-hmm. little action period. Like it's, it, it is an impressive feat. And, um, and, and Eric, I'll agree with you on like, not necessarily like the humanist point, but it is, it is mm-hmm. certainly less mean spirited than the last uh, couple alien movies. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot, um, a lot that Villeneuve does really well. So I think like the, the odds were against him. And I think the idea of a Blade Runner sequel just in and of itself, like baseline, we're making a Blade Runner sequel is not really that enticing, but he, he gave it a reason to, to be enticing. So I think that's a yeah. pretty impressive feat in and of itself. Yeah, I I would say, and I wonder, um, 
I think we can talk about this without it being too spoilery, but part of what you guys are talking about, I, I had that similar feeling of like, oh, I know where this is going. Like, get on with it. It sounds like we all felt that in the movie. Um, however, I, I think it all worked out by by about however far enough in the movie where uh, something is completely subverted that we're all sure of, you know, the, as the audience, like watching this movie. And it's the idea of the hero's journey, which I feel like has become so goddamn tired in, in these kind of movies, uh, big, you know, sci-fi fantasy franchise type blockbuster filmmaking. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just, I find it tiring and a little bit dull and boring at this point. And this movie completely subverts the idea of like, you're the special one, the hero, you're the hero. And I, I thought that was really powerful how that got wrapped up into the Blade Runner world and then also push the narrative, like push the mythology forward in, in a way that I found not necessarily surprising, but like, I don't know, the surprising part for me was in the end that it kind of warmed up a little bit. And I was like touched by the end of this movie. I did not expect to feel that mm -hmm. uh, in any Blade Runner movie. And I actually think like it's, they pulled it off like and it goes out in this whisper, almost like it ends in the way that Moonlight does, where there's no dialogue all of a sudden. And you just sort of like whoosh, you're just like off the movie's over. And totally. I loved I loved that feeling um, that it gave me right at the end. And so, yeah, even the like pacing stuff that is definitely it's it's an issue and it'll be an issue, I think, for audiences, I, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I actually think it all adds up and it's it's interesting it, it, or it was a honestly kind of exciting to have a movie be slow paced the, like this, that actually totally. this, yeah, the narrative is like kind of tightly coiled, but like scenes breathe in a way, uh, that, uh, my God, I found so refreshing that like, even the pauses took longer between dialogue. I was like, ah, oh, this is like refreshing. I can just luxuri luxuriate in this mood and atmosphere. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that all kind of worked for me. Uh, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that, but the main thing is I thought I loved how this movie subverts the hero's the hero's journey idea in these kind of movies. Do we want to like pivot over to spoilers? Cause like one of my big things has to do with that. I don't know if you guys have any other spoiler free discussion, but uh, I want to, I want to build upon uh, what you just said. I, I guess just my final thought before we go into spoilers is that I think if the movie lands as well for you, as it sounds like it did for Eric, um, I think that, that the movie must be kind of masterful. Like it, like the, the, the emotional ending Yes. Kind of got me, but didn't quite get me because the movie's cold enough and um, um, the plotting. And again, now we talked about the pace working against each other. There's just enough little things that that throw it off slightly kilter that by the by the time it gets to the end, that that it doesn't land for me as as emotionally as it should. But if it does for you as a viewer, I would imagine this movie becomes like masterful. Totally. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I'll just before we jump into spoilers, I will say I am also amazed that this is uh, as expensive of a movie as it is being put out by a studio. And God, I mean, this is like the saddest, loneliest movie I, I've seen in a long time. <laughs> and uh, I am actually deeply impressed by that, too, and actually was moved by how willing it was to be such a goddamn like sad, lonely movie. Um, and I, I really appreciated that. So uh yeah, I did. I did really go for this one. That's that's clear for sure. Awesome. Well, okay. Well, spoilers for Blade Runner twenty forty nine, starting right now. Yeah, actually, I'm just about to watch it now, Jack. I have already seen it. <laughs> anyway, uh, at the end, there's a very unusual twist. Oh! Oh no! Oh no! I know there's a twist. I'm going to spend the whole film guessing what it is. 
Um, so to build upon what you said, and, and I, I kind of find myself sort of in between, like I have those similar reservations as you, Rod, but the ending really did land with me uh, the way it did with you, Eric. Um, but I think for so much of the runtime, and I think it's t- to the testament of the movie's strength, but also created a frustrating experience, and I think that's why a second viewing would probably do well. The movie mm-hmm. had me so convinced that Kay was the child. Like It had me so yep. convinced... And I'm like, really? You're gonna do the like lineage Force Awakens version exactly. of Blade Runner, and I, and that like that frustrated me for a lot of the movie because I just like <laughs> this is I was like this is the best you came up with after 30 years. That's that's a bummer. And then thought the same thing, man. Yeah. And then when it pulls that that switch, you're like, I, I had like a really conflicting bout of feelings i'm like number one i i was relieved that that was not the case two i was frustrated at myself because i should have seen that coming and i didn't <laughs> and also just that line that's delivered to him that oh you dreamt it was you we right. all dream it was us that's what gets it's definitely us on the through. nose <laughs> it's on the nose but like but it's really <laughs> effective that yeah that I line is so effective it, it's so like it's so universal we all yep. think we're special we all think we're the one you know exactly and so close to believing it because he's got every piece of evidence in the world and it's kind of heartbreaking and it speaks again to the sort of like the 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 the, the, the humanization the empire are we in spoilers yes, yes. so like you know the the, the idea that these people can feel empathy, you know, like this, this movie to me essentially is, is sort of like at the heart beyond being about, you know, what it means to be human. It's sort of like the sort of the mysteriousness of empathy and, 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 and what empathy means, how we can feel it and how it can sort of permeate through everything. And in this case, sort of like transcend, um, who these replicants are, you know what I mean? And, and even though they're, um, uh, uh, you know, artificial life, they, they, they take, they, they take on this quality that, that transcends to this stuff and they can feel empathy, you know, they can feel emotion. And he's, he's crushed by that. Right. And I, I feel yeah. like it really, really, um, layers the movie totally and yet and then it makes it makes his heroic his bouts of her, what he does and from then on in the film like it makes it so heroic in oh yeah because it's total sacrifice right it's right all, it's, i love that yep. uh, selfless it's completely selfless yeah and i love that like despite everything gosling knows it is such an existential thing right he's he's yeah. ping-ponged back and forth between thinking he's this or that and he ends up back restarted and yet he does the right thing. Like that is, that was a beautifully heroic thing. I did not expect to feel that in a Blade Runner movie either. I, I gotta be honest. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Uh, I was just gonna, uh, uh, I was just saying, uh, yes, I was agreeing with that, that I didn't, I expect to feel that way, uh, that I did. But also, um, I think Rod, you said you were, you were a little like on the fence about Gosling's performance. I think he's great here. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Like, yeah, like I, think I, think, awesome. I think he's like, you know, Villeneuve is expanding on sort of what like Nicholas Winding Refn does with Gosling. Like he's he's able to like be that sort of audience surrogate and we can project our thoughts onto him. Like he's just he's really good at doing that. But I do think he like really commands the screen here. And I think because of that empathy, you really do feel for that character in a way that in the original, as much as I do love the original movie um i cannot say the same thing for for harrison ford in the original like that's that's the rudger howard character that that you feel for yeah uh, that's that true movie. yeah and so like that's uh, one of the brilliant things of the original is, is how it makes you empathize with 
Rutger Hauer. Absolutely. Is- and, and that's one thing I was kind of missing, not Rutger Hauer specifically, but like that kind of like yeah, that's exactly, character. That's exactly what's kind of missing to me is that it is not even necessarily the antagonist, but the set, like, you know, what makes Blade Runner profound in the end after all this stuff is Harrison Ford sort of contemplating, like, um, recognizing, you know, the soul, his sort of the soul's counterpart in another. He he has this tremendous well of empathy when he realizes that, like, you know, these people are maybe as human as we are, and mm. and that that sort of loneliness and sadness that you feel throughout Blade Runner is is uh, completely completely manifest at the very end through that character. This character just wants to live. He just wants more time. He wants to see another day. He wants to see another miracle. He wants to witness one more rainfall. You know, it's just like, and he can't have it. He's out of time. And mm-hmm. to me, that's the the profundity of Blade Runner. Is just is um, Rutger Hauer's character. Rutger Hauer's character at the end and his form of recognition of empathy when he saves Harrison Ford that that movie just comes together brilliantly in the end that those Mm. final moments are what make Blade Runner uh, a masterpiece to me because there's all this stuff going on about humanity and the existential ideas of it and empathy and then they they come alive at you know or they at least um uh, the confluence of the, the crescendo together in the end, and that kind of loneliness. I suppose it's there in, it, and it sort of subverts the whole idea because you think it's about Harrison Ford, and you really kind of see that the movie's maybe in some ways about Rutger Hauer or his people and the way they think, the way they believe, the, what they just want, right? They, they just, mm. they just want what we all want. They just want to to live, you know. They don't necessarily, they don't just sort of like live and let live. Just let me have my time. Um, and while there is that kind of loneliness and sadness to the um, uh, the Ryan Gosling character, it's sort of there on the surface, whereas, you know, in Blade Runner, it's kind of subverted. And so that's what I'm missing. I'm not necessarily missing an antagonist. I'm missing that kind of feeling. Totally. No, mm. that I, I, I agree with that because, like, you know, it isn't just the antagonist because we have an antagonist in this movie. We have two. We have the, the Jared Leto character and his henchwoman. Um, mm. who I, I got like vibes of uh, Frau from Austin Powers for whatever reason. <laughs> like she, there's one port where she yells at Robin Wright's character. And I just, I think with yes. the replicants, I just imagine her say, send in the clowns uh, <laughs> for whatever reason. And that, and that like, she was, I don't know. It just wasn't that interesting of a character. And, and, you know, in the end, of course, instead of uh, tears and rain, we get tears in a flood basically, or tears in the ocean. <laughs> sure yeah um but yeah i guess that that's all my that's all my thoughts on that particular storyline yeah um here here's this is probably going to be a dumb question but i'm going to just put it out there uh since we're in spoilers uh does this movie make it clear that that harrison ford is a replicant and before you guys answer that question i'm really glad that this movie did not all hinge on that at all, because I felt like that would have been a really lame reason to make a sequel to sort of confirm to the audience what Ridley Scott has been saying forever, you know, at I this point. I really agree with you. And, and to that point, I don't think it makes it completely clear. No, it's, yeah, it right. and doesn't I, confirm nor deny that fact. I mean, yeah. we could we can insinuate that he isn't just solely from the fact that he's aged. But, he aged, but, then but again, replicants age. Yeah, right. I don't yeah, know. We don't know the answer to that question. So, no, I don't think that's well, a dumb question right? at all. They, they don't. As we know, they expire. Uh, that's right. So right, yeah. they all expire. They all run out of time. So therefore, he's not a replicant. But 
is, you know, as we've learned throughout in this movie, there becomes a kind of miracle, right? There's this right. kind of like this mm-hmm. evolution, this sort of there's a there's a miracle on hand here that 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 um, is is perhaps the genesis of uh, a new world order or, or or the next step of evolution uh, for humanity. And is Harrison Ford part of that because he helped create that miracle? So was he sort of ground zero for that? And maybe that therefore is a replicant. All of that stuff is left uh, ambiguous, which is beautiful and it should be totally. yeah well there was yeah. the title the title crawl at the beginning talked about the nexus eights with open-ended lifespans so again we we don't know he could have been one of those replicants mm. that had that right, right. open-ended lifespan in, in that well well into that end you could be very right because it's like that's what the hunted hunt the hunted right it's like in, mm-hmm. in blade run if you if you want to look at it that way harrison ford could be a nexus eight hunting down the nexus six just like um, Ryan Gosling in this movie is a is a is a replicant hunting down the older models. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That, that could be the pattern that just sort of repeats itself in history over and over again. Totally. Um, also, we should talk about you know speaking to Harrison Ford about his performance in this movie because I think mm-hmm. like Eric pretty much was hinting at it very well that I think that really enriches the first film because like in the first oh, film yeah he really like he had that sort of cold distance and and yes i think that was both to the ambiguity of whether or not he was a replicant uh i also you know heard stories that the it was not a a fun production it was not a good uh shoot it was not a good experience so maybe that seeped into the movie itself but yeah that's what i i was just like doing a little bit of research today but apparently scott and ford like really didn't like each other uh harrison ford and sean young didn't really get along on set either oh Um, original yeah talk about the original yes 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 and so but for whatever reason, uh, for whatever that beef may be, um, you know, he comes back for this one and it's a pretty like heartfelt, like uh, heartfelt may not be the right word, but like there, there's definitely some emotion to that uh, performance. And um, I also think he's pretty great. It's pretty great that he's hardly in the movie. Like he, mm-hmm. he doesn't show up till like the final third of the movie. And I think that's to, to the film's benefit like like eric like you said it doesn't hinge on that original mystery like it's a new story that they've concocted that doesn't hinge on that old like decades old debate for that character yeah and like the mythology if if it did it would have been it would have been lame if it just hinged yes (laughs) totally totally yeah and and uh i i i think ford is great in the movie and i think his like his age and his world wariness, his natural sort of curmudgeonness, like uh, Ryan, you were referring to, like in interviews and stuff in public, really works to his benefit in this this point in Deckard's life. Like I, I really liked his performance, and he seemed more invested in what in his performance than as much as I like him in The Force Awakens. I feel like you know he's he's doing fine in that movie, but he's kind of on autopilot in in my recollection. This I just feel like he's genuinely invested in pushing the character forward. That, that's how it came off anyway. Um, yeah, I got I got vibes of uh, like Sylvester Stallone and Creed. I think that's been talked about probably even on the playlist. I, I think Gregory maybe have talked about it in some of his awards columns is like this has that feel and this being another Lega sequel in that vein. I feel like um, that would be kind of cool if Harrison Ford got recognized. Doesn't really matter ultimately, but I think he's good enough uh, for that sort of supporting actor uh nomination at least um so i think that's cool and you know it's just nice to see him give a really good performance that he seems invested in 
Totally. No, I agree. It, it seems like he cared, which is a good thing. I feel like yes. Force Awakens, like, you know, I was suspicious when, like, the press circuit for that and he was actually cheery. I was like, something's up here. And then see the movie, I'm like, oh, it's because your character dies and you never have to do this again. That's why you're so happy about it. Um, but, yeah, it feels like there's I, a ch- I will argue just briefly that I think Harrison Ford is great in The Force Awakens. And I don't, nice, really, nice. And I don't really like The Force Awakens, but I think he's great in it. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying he's bad. I just uh, compared to this, but uh, you you make it. And, and I mean, not necessarily great as like he makes Han Solo any better than he ever was, but I think he seamlessly jumps back into that character. Anyhow, I won't take us any off track anymore. But most definitely, sure. No, that's. I think that's a good good point. Um, I was like really, uh, actually like really affected by the scene the the reveal that. Rachel does show up like that. They've been crazy. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. And then like, just really sad, like the fate of what happens in that scene. And, and Eric, you'd already hinted that too, that like that enrich enriches that relationship from the first one where like, you know, as much again, as much as I love that movie, like, be the first to admit there's problems with it. Like the sexual politics in the original, especially through today's eyes is questionable at best. Um, in that original movie <laughs> and that's putting it lightly. Um, so like, I feel like it does, you know, give some sort of sense to that, um, relationship that did seem uh, a little forced for what the story needed uh, in that original. Yeah. I mean, this movie actually put, puts real weight in history in their relationship. And because it's so many years on, you know, three decades later from that first one, it's like, wow, we get to look back and it really, it just, like, I, I guess because I was so bought into the movie as a whole, but like either way, I just feel like this this pulled it off and deepening something that just felt like uh, a not as believable movie romance in the original. I, I, it's one of my biggest issues with the original, uh, a movie that I do like. But uh, I, I, I was like, wow, this one even kind of improved the the whole thing between Rachel and Deckard like that. That was uh, it, it. It made it better in this one and, and improves that that first one for sure. Um, but also, I, I mean, it just, when she comes up, I wasn't expecting that at all. Oh man. And, and, and uh, I believe it's her through motion capture. It is. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Which they is, did, they did like the, the de-aging thing that they've done. Like, I know they did that in like Captain America Civil War and they did some other movies, but yeah, yeah they, it this, was, but it was actually her. Right. So it's actually her and it's motion capture and it is astonishing yeah. And it is like we've seen motion, we've seen de-aging. There's some like in the movies you mentioned, there's even actually a little bit in Joy, David O. Russell's Joy, yeah. of, using Robert De Niro. And this is some like people should be th- this is what this is what um uh, um uh, uh guy Chappie, Chappie, uh, uh Oh yeah, Neil Blomkamp. This is what Neil Blomkamp was 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 doing. This mm-hmm. is what we don't. We didn't know, but now we know. Oh shit! This is what he had his hands on. This is why a Ridley, um, uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, um, uh, the other character from Aliens. Uh, oh, uh, Ridley. Ripley. Jesus. Ripley. No, 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 no. The other, the other guy who survives. It would have. Michael uh, Bean. The soldier. Character. Michael Bean. Thank you. Yes, that's what it would have been. It's been a whole movie of that, and I think what. This movie shows it's like, oh, this is the technology that he had because this is like 
outstanding. Uh, like you couldn't. At first, I was like, "Did they take original footage from the original movie and somehow right. digitally clean it up? Like this right. is perfect." And <laughs> I'm like, "I'm a." I'm a huge pet peeve for this kind of thing. I can always be like, eh, this is kind of lame. Like every <laughs> single movie that's ever had a Photoshop of a picture, I've right. really ever thought it's convincing ever. I think if I could, I think there's one of all time ever, but like, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm so, so picky about that kind of thing. And this was perfect. It, it's like literally should make anybody who's old and who wants to revisit a character and just be like, I feel like it's revolutionary. I, yeah. I, it's like so incredible. I, I, like, and now I really want to do see uh, Neil Blomkatz, uh Alien Five or whatever it would have been. Right. Because like seeing this technology is like holy shit. Like he can, he can put it, he can put uh, Ripley back and seamlessly back to where she was, mm-hmm. and, and Michael Bean too. And it's like um, it is remarkable what they do with that. And uh, so yeah. I was incredibly impressed by that. Totally. I think mapping it might still be tough. I think that would be the biggest yes, challenge, yes. like actually like well, tracking through it. Yeah. Cause she's only, she stands still she, for most of the scene, but it's, it's, but it's it true. Is, and she walks into the scene and it's fairly simple and you're right. Mapping it would be incredibly difficult, but, but that still, doesn't take away from as what you're anything, saying. It's as incredible. Anything. No, no, no. It doesn't take it away from it. And it also, just like any other piece of technology, it hints at like, whoa, you know, we're maybe seeing the first steps of the future here. Yeah, totally. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing real life. Uh, is it joy? Uh, not the movie joy, but like the character in this right. joy, the right. like Alexa this hologram hologram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought there was that one scene and, and it was funny. I thought a lot about, um, and, and, and Joe had mentioned this on adjust your tracking in regards to it, how like, mm it the book had influenced so many things like like stranger things for example and then that sort of reinforced Mm -hmm. itself back onto the movie version of it and how like blade runner has such a cultural imprint on pretty much every sci-fi dystopia that's been made since like every Mm sci-fi movie since blade runner has a little bit of blade runner in it so you see like ghost in the shell and the matrix and children of men and and her and I think of like all those movies feel like they've in a way not to like this movie's still very much in the spirit of the original, but there's mm-hmm. elements of those other movies that feel like they've reinforced themselves onto this movie, particularly with that joy character, because there's the one like sex scene. I'm like, this pretty much happened in her like the exact same scene. Right. <laughs> so just little mm. things like that where I like um, it, it wasn't a detriment to the movie at all. It's just something I, I seemed to notice as the movie progressed. No, yeah, and the tech and the way it, it's incorporated and and further pushed into the future of this new movie is is really well done too. I feel like that's that's definitely something that can go wrong in these kind of movies a lot too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you had mentioned Ryan, like maybe in the beginning of this chat, of how this movie might feel to you a little bit more heavily production designed um, as opposed to gritty or not having that lived in feel. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying. I'm like halfway there with you, but um, I do think the tech and the way some of it works, like the old tech versus the new, um, the way the guns still look sort of old and like fashion, they almost got like a, well, Looper would be probably ripping off the original Blade Runner, but it, it reminded me of the the guns and the stuff in like in Looper. Um, I liked all that, the way the tech was incorporated. Yeah, I liked I liked the tech aspect too. It was more just the, the, the actual like design of like, Maybe maybe it was just like the digital cinematography or something, you know, whatever, mm. whatever the case may be. Uh, it just felt like I was like, that's an awesome looking shot. 
but it just feels like an awesome shot as opposed to like, <laughs> like a lived in thing, you know, like there, there's some amazing, like lived in realized things that happen, but there are occasional ones where I'm like, oh, that just looks cool. But it did, right. it didn't do a whole lot else outside of that. So I'm, I'm also partway there. I really with you. disagree with that just because I think a lot of the shots, if they look cool, I think they have a lot of meaning. I think Roger Deacon shoots everything with a lot of meaning, even if it's like, even if it's like you're this little ship next to this gigantic dam or whatever it is, you know, it's like sort of just like shows like, I think everything is really, really thoughtful actually. And that's why I want to see it again because it's like, right. Like you sort of like even one shot of like a ship flying by this, this epic sort of thing in the background sort of speaks to like the insignificance of who you are in the realm of these things. I think everything Mm -hmm. is, there's just some incredible choices. The whole, throughout the whole thing. And I think like, uh, that's another thing. Like it's more than just, I mean, yes, it's a mood bath. Yes. It looks beautiful. But like, again, I think every, the way it's shot, the way it's designed, the way it's composed really speaks to like that kind of existential anxiety that like runs in the sort sort that sense of loneliness, that sense of kind of dread, um, that portentousness that Villeneuve does so well, you know, mm-hmm. um, if we just go back for a second to Prisoners, I think Prisoners is pretty great, actually. And one of the reasons it's so great is because of Villeneuve. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, think the script, oh, Deacon, I think the script Deacon, for that movie Deacon's. is... Yes, yes. De- I was going to say... But, but, uh, I, but I also think I also think Dylan, Villeneuve shits the shit out of that movie. But Deacon's is like maybe like the the the, the sort of secret um, uh, RS, uh, you know, MVP of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think what the, the, the things that movie has going for it are solely because of them for the most part. And I, I definitely agree. I, I think that script's pretty rough to be, to be completely honest. And they, they don't quite overcome it, but I think like the things that really do work in that movie are because of Villeneuve and uh, Roger. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I will. Yeah. yeah. I will say, I think the second viewing will help because of like, you know, we talked about, this movie being more plot driven. I think with that plot out of the way, now you know where it's going to be able to like take in those images. And then maybe I will, you know, we'll be able to meet you like halfway or all the way on turn on, you know, some of those shots. Cause I, I agree. I love those, like, like the small ship in the big world or like the, you know, it's in the trailer, but the shot of like the, uh, like pink looking joy and like Ryan Gosling small on the bridge there like that, that some incredible stuff. Yeah. For sure. The the tree, that white tree in the beginning. Um, here, here's my pretentious uh, reference for this episode, I guess. But uh, it was it, to me, it was just like um, I believe it's the sacrifice. The Tarkovsky film has this image of a tree that it's really prevalent in it. I, I, he kind of shoots a lot of his films like that or Tarkovsky did. But um, I really loved that, that just bare white dead tree. Um, and that's right away in the beginning. I, I thought that was beautiful. Um yeah, there's a there's a lot of pretty pictures in this movie. Pretty I, pictures I and and lovely sounds. Uh, it, I don't think oh the sound design and the score. So oh, I, don't, I don't think it's pretentious to bring up Tarkovsky in this at all. I, Thank I think you. <laughs> it does feel well. like he's operating on that level. Like I feel like Villeneuve probably watched a bunch of Tarkovsky because the pacing feels like I watched Stalker recently or a few months ago because you know there's that Criterion restoration and. I love how slow that movie is. I can't say that about most slow paced, like uh, slow cinema type stuff, but when they work and uh, they, they really, I lock in, I really enjoy that experience because it feels so different and especially these days. And uh, I do feel like this movie is operating 
in, in a sort of slow cinema blockbuster mold, which is which is crazy uh, to me, and that it works so well in that sense. Um, I wanted to say about Phil Move since it maybe feels like we're we're wrapping up or just talking about him a little bit is the one for me that I always went the one the film of his that I always went for was Sicario. I think is really great. Also shot by Roger Deakins, mm-hmm. but since he's becoming sort of a, a big deal like a big name filmmaker at this point. And I think he will be even more so after Blade Runner comes out is um, one of his first films is a great one called Polytechnique that people should seek out. I mean, there's like films he made before he even started making yep. English language pictures that he is worth diving into on Sandy's is another pretty solid film. Um, so yeah, he's, he's got a lot of like great back catalog stuff to check out. Yeah, no, he's awesome. I've been a, I've been a huge backer of his for a long time and, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I think he's one of the best filmmakers working today. Um, he, you know, I, I like. I think I'm. I can't really argue with um, Ryan saying that um, that the prisoner script is rough, but mm-hmm. he elevates stuff. I mean, you could argue yes. that the, the this script of this is rough. You know, the plotting, the whole, the the mystery. It's like it. Uh, it's it's doesn't quite work but you know it it uh if it does it's all because of his filmmaking you know and the way he puts everything together hello hello deads oh i'm here yeah, i'm here no, i'm here too uh we'll just cut that out um no totally i <laughs> um no i agree with like holt 100 he's uh he's a filmmaker that is worth diving into um, just about everything, even a movie, you know, I, I would say prisoners is probably my least favorite of his, but I would still recommend that movie to somebody because there's mm-hmm. still a lot of good stuff in that movie. Um, I'd have to say, I know we already referenced it briefly, but enemy's probably my personal favorite. Um, like, like I already yeah. mentioned already was kind of cold on it on immediate viewing, <laughs> but after, after a couple of viewings, that movie is fucking fantastic. So Definitely check that one out if you have. Yeah, and it's amazing. And I, I, I always get into fights with Jess and Ollie over Sicario. They don't like Sicario. I think Sicario. Oh, is well. oh man. Yeah, I remember Jess didn't like it. She her review I think was from Cannes, and she didn't go for it. But I, I'm with you, Rod. Man, that movie is goddamn. Is it tense? I, I love that film. Same here. It, it is high cr- it is on so my top ten. Anxiety inducing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, I, I guess. The last thing I'm curious that that like I want to know what you guys think uh, about about this new Blade Runner movie is do you guys care if they make a sequel or like do you think it's even worth it because I came away thinking it'd be kind of awesome if they made a third movie it doesn't need to happen this sort of completes itself but there's enough left over in that sort of revolution thing that we only get like touched on you know as they like hand off the gun to Gosling at the end I, I uh, or near the end. I would kind of like to see what they did. Um, again, it doesn't have to happen, but I thought it would be that would be kind of cool. Um, I think uh, to double back to another episode that Rod and I talked about, I think I would honestly feel the same way about it. Like if they were to do a fourth season of Twin Peaks, like right, I, right. I, like, like I'm I'm perfectly fine. I think it ends kind of great that it doesn't need another version, um, but if Villeneuve wanted to make a third one, wanted to make another yes. one, like I trust him enough as a filmmaker that if they were to return to this world, um, that it would be for a good reason. So um, on face value, I'd say no, but if the same team had a story that they wanted to tell in this world again, I'd totally be on board. Heck yeah, man. Rod, what do you think? Uh, Well, 
I always think it from two different levels, but one on the story level, I think it's done. I don't think it needs to go any further. Mm. Um, and I, I, I don't personally want to see it go any further, but it, you know, we'll look at the box office. If it's a big hit, they will go for, they will go forward with it. I don't mm. think Villeneuve will be part of it. I think he'll executive produce it. They'll hand it off to other people, sort of like they're doing with Sicario. There's mm-hmm. a Sicario sequel being done. He does, he's not a part of it. He's helped sort of, you know, ushered in and he's given his thoughts and he's executive producer. But I think that's probably exactly what's going to happen unless audiences don't take to it. And it's very possible they won't. Another thing I just wanted to mention, I think it's pretty incredible that like, you know, like we've talked about, this is a, I don't know if to say it's a slow cinema blockbuster, but it, you know, there's <laughs> certain elements of that. It is a, a, a very moody, atmospheric, silent uh, uh, it's pretty impressive for some for movie studios or major movie studio to have released a, an expensive uh, art film essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And and to that end, I think it's pretty incredible that a lot of the really really mainstream critics have really really taken to it and called mm-hmm. it a masterpiece and called it better than the first Blade Runner, which it is not. Um, and uh, and you know really effusively praised it and and uh, that's a good sign. You know what I mean? Like if they liked it, hopefully audiences will. But there's got to be some scenario where um, you know audiences who didn't grow up with the original. Um, and are just going to see it because it's something that they praise. You know, maybe there's going to be a, a mother like backlash or, or you know, a cinema bad. Yeah. Cinema. I could really, I could really see that. Mm-hmm. I, I hope think, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say, I agree that I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think it'll. If there is a backlash, it won't be as severe with that movie because I feel like this movie has <laughs> been. Well, this movie's been really. I shouldn't call it a backlash. I shouldn't call it a backlash. Sure. It's just it's reaction. Well, this movie's been very upfront in its marketing of what kind of movie it is. So, like, I, I like the trailers have been pretty spoiler free, which is great, but also like the tone and the mood of the movie, like it's pretty accurate. Like them, they they are mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. selling the movie that they made. Whereas Mother, people have that tendency when they feel duped to be like, ah, oh, fuck you. Like they get pissed off about that sort of thing. And so, I, I don't think it will be that severe. Hopefully not. You know, they'll probably be less walkouts. <laughs> you might have just spoiled mother for somebody. <laughs> oh, you're right. Maybe cut that out. I'm sorry. We had so many walkouts at my theater during that scene, unsurprisingly. But uh, uh, I, I, when you guys start getting into it, which I haven't seen, when you guys start getting into it, I was like, oh, you better not spoil this for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Sorry about that. I will. No. I will say this about mother and it and all these movies that are sort of coming up in this conversation is I kind of feel like uh, really happy to be going to the movies right now i don't know about you guys or how valuable this is but like i I feel like mother is an amazing piece of work uh that i can't believe that's the real head scratcher that a studio put that movie out um but i don't know i feel like uh after a for me another kind of weak summer or unimaginative summer although there were some good there were good movies this summer but i usually rely on the smaller stuff like the good times of the world movies like that to get me through the summer. But the fact that like mainstream releases, even it, which I have plenty of problems with that movie is like, is most, it's pretty much well done. It accomplishes what it sets out to do. I just feel like, uh, it's kind of a fun last couple months to be going to the movies. And, uh, the fact that Blade Runner is not a piece of shit. (laughs) is kind of, uh, not, not the reason I'm praising it so much, this new one, but it's, uh, so many, it could have went wrong so many ways. And the fact that it's, good or uh, great depending on you know however you, someone might read it or or whatever um 
I, I think that's it's kind of fun to be going to the movies. It, it's making me excited to be a moviegoer. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who, you know, to akin, like speaking of the summer, um, in terms of like that sort of smart, technological driven blockbuster, um, but has like a property to it. I'd say if you liked the recent Planet of the Apes movies, especially yeah. this third one, like you'll probably dig this movie. Um, I think that's probably a, I, I don't know if you guys agree. I think that'd be a fair comparison yeah. to this, to this movie and, and what to expect going into it. Yeah. In terms of like the level of seriousness with, with the tone of the movies and, yes. and even though they're in a blockbuster mold or sort of, you know, mainstream release, I think that's a really fair uh, comparison for sure. Totally. Well, do you guys, have... I, I, didn't, I didn't love the last Apes movie, so I don't know if that works for me, but. Oh, you I'm did. actually with you. The, th- the third one I had issues with. I think the second one is the great one. And that, oh, the, that the second one, the second one was definitely maybe that's what you're saying. Maybe I, maybe I'm not paying attention. <laughs> oh, no worries. I really liked the third one a lot personally, but I, I, I think even then, like the the tone that two and three are going for are like, yes, cut, like very similar, like yes. very similar yes. to this movie. And I think that would be yeah, uh, that's a totally. Well, any other thoughts before we uh, wrap this up? I think I'm good, man. I feel like I've said everything I needed to. <laughs> uh, I think I did too. Uh, I'm. Sh- I feel like we're. I don't know. I-, I feel like I'm missing something with Blade Runner 2049 that I think I want to. That's what makes me want to see again. See it again. I think there's still something uh, like more sort of uh, existential, emotional mysteries to be revealed on, on a second watch. Yeah, second viewing. This feels like th- it's gonna. I, I'm very excited for that second viewing because uh, I, I do think I, I have this feeling it's going to feel even it's going to be a stronger film for me as well uh, on, on a second viewing. It has that feel of it like you can see the pieces being put together and knowing where it goes. That's always a fun experiment to to see what else you notice in a film. So there's a lot to take in and notice uh, it just in the pictures alone with this one. So, I'm yeah, very excited for that, too. This conversation makes me I, I might put on uh the first film right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know I'm Jones and <laughs> you should, I, 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 I recommend it for sure. Cool. Well, thanks. Thank you guys again for, for logging on and chatting. I think we got, a, I think we got a lot out. I think we unpacked it. There's a lot to unpack. Uh, and yes. I think we did a pretty good job at least on our, our first viewings doing so. Hell yeah. Find this and all other Playlist podcast shows, including Adjusted Tracking, Bingeworthy, and Over Under Movies, on theplaylist.net. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave us a comment or a rating if you feel so inclined. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. 